on this Thursday of the second week of Advent. The Lord's words are addressed to us, words of incre incredible consolation, an incredible promise that I am with you, that I am with you. Fear not, says the Lord. It is I, the Lord your God, who grasp your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I will help you. Fear not, O Orm Jacob, or Maggot Israel, I will help you, says the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. It is the Lord who turns to his people, and even though as people themselves and look at themselves sometimes, he says, I'm a nobody, I'm no one. I going through these difficulties that I have with the family problems, difficulties in society, country, wherever it may be. We may not feel that we are of any significance, and yet the Lord is turning to us. Fear not, I am there for you. I will be there for you. I will not abandon you. I'll take care of you, no matter what the difficulties may be. And these difficulties can be of, of extraordinary kind. The path, the journey of our spiritual life may not be that, that easy. The path by which we, you know, uh, wish to go forward in our family life. And there's so many, so many difficulties. And I hear them. I hear so many of you with this, you know, context of, of confession, a context of just discussion, reflections. There are sicknesses, there are difficulties with children, or sometimes, you know, you're carrying the cross of caring for elderly, which may not be that simple, not be that easy. And yet, and yet it is the difficulties that we face and that we encounter sometimes can discourage us. And yet the Lord, right in the midst of it all, we who may be very realistic and we know what reality is all about, and yet the Lord says, I will be there for you. I will help you. I do not be afraid. I'll grasp your right hand. I'll hold and walk with you. Sometimes in a spiritual way, we have to ask the Lord, yes, I want you to really be with me as I walk into my job or whatever the difficulties may be. Walk with me, be with me. This is one of the ways we can actually ask him to assist us on the level of our knowledge that he's there because he promises he will always be there. And so he, will, he speaks to us that the difficulties that we have, and it's a poetic language, I will thresh the mountains and crush them, make the hills like chaff. When you winnow them, the wind shall carry them off and the storm shall scatter them. Although the difficulties, the mountains and the valleys, the difficulties which are the desert, the Lord says, I will help you to even thresh them, tr destroy them, and produce like a sand out of all of them so that you can flatten the road. So it won't be difficult for you to climb the mountains or go into the deserts, wherever it may be, because the afflicted and the needy seek water in vain. By themselves, we seek all things in vain and their tongues are parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up rivers on the bare heights, and I will turn the desert into a marshland, and I will plant desert, the cedar, and acacia, myrtle. I will provide that which you need. Yes, the language which Isaiah uses is a language of metaphors, and yet this is not just a metaphor. It, re it speaks of the reality 
how God can assist, how God can help, whatever the difficulties may be. So today's reading, that first reading, is a reading which introduces to us the times of messianic kingdom, messianic messianic uh, uh, reality, which means when the Lord comes, he will be with us. When the Lord comes in that full sense, he will take care of us, and he does, you know, through forgiveness of sins, through, through, uh, through the sacraments of, of, uh, of, of, of uh, you know, uh, matrimony, through sacraments of, of the Eucharist, all those things that he helps us, and he will help us. So he will turn that, that wasteland into a rich, um, uh, fertile ground pl with plenty of water, which means, again, the symbolism that our life, our spiritual life, will not be a desert, but it will be a truly an oasis of grace. Now, the second aspect today is it's from the gospel. So not only there's a promise, but also Jesus who speaks to us. And, and he gives us the knowledge of what's taking place at the, at the very moment in his life. It's a historical time. He speaks of someone whom people know already. It was John the Baptist. He's the one who's preaching conversion. He's pre preaching that people should turn back to God. He's preaching a conversion. And, and, and Jesus gives a witness of who he is. He says, amen, amen, I say to you, among the those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. None greater than John the Baptist. He was a man of faith. He was a witness to the coming of God. He was that Elijah, as Jesus speaks, if you wish, the Elijah that will come before the coming of the Son of God. And so he is. And yet there is something here that is so surprising to read. Yes, there has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The least of the baptized. The least of the baptized is greater than John the Baptist. How is it possible? We know what John was doing. John was the one, as you know, in the womb, in Elizabeth's womb, he already encountered Jesus in the womb. He leapt for joy. He was the one who a blessed mother assisted in the last three months of the pregnancy of Elizabeth. We, we know the, 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 the grace that was flowing into John. We know the grace that flowed into his mother, Elizabeth. And yet Jesus says that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is a question we need to ponder. How is it possible? How is it possible? From, from the human perspective, that's what it seems like. And yet from divine perspective, we who are baptized have received the capacity to receive God. John the Baptist did not receive the Eucharist. John the Baptist, yes, a great man, and yet he was not embraced into the fold of being part of the mystical body of Christ. The Lord, yes, took him in. But nonetheless, we have received this gift directly through baptism. How great the baptist is. Sometimes we don't even think about. Sometimes parents kind of postpone the baptist for children. Some even say, well, I want my child to choose 
my, my child to choose whether he wishes to be a Christian or not. And this is why St. Augustine was so against this type of practice. He says, if you wait for a child to go to school and learn how to read, you'll miss all the opportunities. Just like you cannot, a child will not choose to go to school and start learning how to read. But if we do not give the child the opportunity by that time they wish to choose, they may not have the, 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 the capacity because they will have lack of knowledge. They have all kinds of things which will not be given to them. So St. Augustine would say, no, baptize your child early on. Let the grace start flowing into the child right from the start. Right from the start because, because it, is, it is the gift that God wishes to give upon those who are baptized is a gift of the Holy Spirit. But once again, the child cannot understand, so the parents are, or godparents are to explain to, to them what this, this gift of Baptist is, what does it mean? But I know there's too many people, too many Catholics don't even know exactly what it means, that they, they are becoming members of the body of Christ, incorporated into, to, into the mystical body, becoming a temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Trinity, not only that their original sin will be removed because that's what sin Baptist does and any other sins that anyone who is an adult especially is forgiven. But, but Baptist makes us part of the body, the mystical body of, of, of Christ. And we're destined for glory because in him we have the future glory in him. He's the one who takes us in, into his body. And so this is why Jesus says to us, he has none been greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And then uh, there's one thing here in the gospel which also kind of causes us to ponder uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now. So during the, from the, from, from the days of John the Baptist, as, as you know, he began to, to, um, to baptize, to proclaim and the conversion, the call of, for the baptism of conversion, for the forgiveness of sins. At any rate, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the, and the violent are taking it by force. Uh, it seems like to us, what is, is the Lord trying to say? Well, the Lord says here to us is that, you know, the, the kingdom is awaiting, is waiting to be, to break through to, to be pronounced, to be proclaimed, to be re received. Uh, and it is those who, who like, like the ones who, you know, uh, the imagery again here is, is the, uh, if, if, the, if the sheep are in a, you know, in a fencing area, they want it to go out because there's green grass there. There's all kinds of things outside of that pent up area. And so they're breaking out. They wanted to break out. Same thing with, with the kingdom of God. The Lord wants us to have this kingdom break into our society, break into our families. Uh, it is, is this type of the push from within because there's something of extraordinary kind. Our nation needs our, our Christ, Christians to be back, on, back in, in full service. You know, that, you know, we have to examine things from the perspective of God. You know, the situation in which we find ourselves, we have to look from the perspective of the truth, of divine grace, so that we may make judgments. You know, Vatican II spoke of the role of laity, especially as the ones who bring the kingdom of God into, into their workplaces, into their society, into communal environment, nations, world. 
you know, we are, as, as priests, we are to proclaim it, but, but it is the laity's role to actually bring it forth into, into every area of human life existence, to, to, to evangelize, to transform by grace, to allow that grace that Jesus speaks of, you know, that which makes, us, uh, makes every Christian greater than, than John the Baptist. This is the, the, the call for us. And the last thing today, uh, we honor St. Juan Diego. Uh, we have to look into the situation of, of the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Whom does she choose to reveal her, herself to Juan Diego? Whom does she choose? And he considers himself to be of nobody. It seems to us when we look at the, at the gift that God wishes to give humanity through Our Lady is that she is the humble servant. She is, um, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And so what we see here, and especially when John Paul II, when he canonized Juan Diego, he spoke of him as being the servant who considered himself of no importance. And, and, but yet, before Our Lady appeared, six years before that, uh, because he was 50, 56, 57, and, and six years before, when he was 51, I mean, age, age, he was 57 years old. But before that, he was baptized at the age of 51. So he was a Christian for early six, six years before the apparitions of Our Lady. And, and why did Our Lady wish to bring forth Christianity into this new people, new, new people of uh, which were awaiting, awaiting the message, awaiting salvation? Yes, there was a, as we know, some, some people, historians would say, there was a tension, war that was about to break out between the conquistadores, the Spaniards, and the native Indians. And uh, a, a lord and a lady did not want that. Uh, a lord who always uh, uh, chooses our lady on a special mission to, to evangelize, like St. John Paul spoke of her as the star of evangelization. We have to remember that, that during that time, most people who are, became Christians were baptized as children. They were not baptized as adults. Okay, so either they were, you were baptized as a child uh, or you were baptized as someone who was already dying and before, before death, at least in that particular place. And, and yet our Lord wished that majority of those who were adults would embrace Christianity will receive baptism. And so this is what we have. So Our Lady chooses a special instrument, Juan Diego. And you know, remember how it, how it happens. He, his uncle is sick. He's on the way to, to get a priest so that he may um, prepare him for death. And then he encounters Our Lady. And then, you know, he's not able to do so. A lady offers him that special message, who she is. And so, so what we have is, is the, uh, you know, she speaks to him. And, and just because, as John Paul II would say, just because he is a just and upright man. But, you know, but Our Lady, Our Lady chose him because of his humility. And so... As you know, the, the next day, he still wants to have the priest to be brought to the, 
to, you know, to his dying uncle, and he's avoiding the spot where he meets Our Lady. He wants to go around, and of course, you know, he's not able to do so. And, and, and Our Lady says to him, where are you going, one smallest and dearest of my children? And then he replied, I'm hurrying to get to Mass to hear the homily. Then Our Lady said, I love you, my dear little son. She kept on calling him little son. These great terms of endearment, but at the same time, uh, a lady uh, chose him because of, of being, being uh, humble in every way. And so this is what our lady says to him. I love you, my dear little son. I am the Mary, I am Mary the Immaculate Virgin, mother of the true God who gives life and protects it. He is the creator of all, Lord of heaven and earth. He is all present. And I desire that a church be built on this place. And, you know, and, and, and you know, you have the, the details are, are just absolutely wonderful because he, is, he the Our Lady wants to have him bring the message to the bishop to build the church on the spot, to bring this, this, this message of, of great, great love of Our Lady for the people, that she's the one who hears their cries. She's the one who will help them. She's the one who will be there for them. And as we know that despite the difficulties, he's able to, to carry out this mission. Um, I think that if we were to look at how the Lord chooses us, he just like our Lord chose Saint Juan Diego of seeming insignificance, he chose him and he was able to do this extraordinary work of evangelization. He became an instrument. Look at today, we can take a look at uh, St. Faustina II of, of, of insignificance. And yet she's able to bring forth the message of God's mercy. We look at the insignificance of, of even St. Therese. If we look at her, she is the, she's the patron of missions. She never stepped outside of her convent wall, and yet she became. This means that how God chooses for those who are willing to say yes to him, we may be of the insignificance, we may not be of, of any importance, but through our prayer, through our desire, through our wish to do things for God, allowing ourselves to be his instruments, the Lord can do and accomplish extraordinary things. Maybe then today, as we both honor Juan Diego, and as the readings for us, uh, given to us through the Isaiah, that we should not be afraid, that, that the Lord will provide and protect us, that we may find that courage and strength given to us by grace, given to us by the Holy Spirit, and, and through, through this Eucharistic sacrifice and our reading of scriptures, that we may understand who we are, that we are the sons and daughters of God, and that we are not only not insignificant, but we are of great value, of extraordinary value. Yes, we are unique in our abilities and sometimes unique in our shortcomings. And yet God will choose only those who say yes. And, and those who say yes, because they know that there's something extraordinary that goes beyond them, which God wishes to give them. And that is true. He wants to divinize us. He wants us to make us sons and daughters of God, destined for glory, destined for paradise. Are you a Marian helper? 
Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.